whether you had a nap or not, welcome back to part two of our episode with Roberto Barocca. Here we go. I, I think it's, it's interesting though, because one of the things that um, I remember talking to people about and talking to other interpreters about, thankfully I found some friendly interpreters fairly quickly, but this idea that um, when I first entered the profession or tried to enter the profession about nine or so years ago, um, the interpreters who seemed to be the most experienced seemed to be the least approachable. One friendly one, but apart from, from that, that was it. Um, what I love now is you have people like you saying, talking about the subjects that interpreters have always needed to talk about, um, but doing so in a way that doesn't come across as didactic or, you know, I'm the teacher, you're the student, deal with it. We're, we're now happy enough with our profession that we can laugh and, and just say, look, we're all we're all learning this, we're all making mistakes, and probably we'll look back in another 10 years and go, oh, uh, me with 10-year-old experience, how could you do such a silly thing? Um, the fact that interpreters now are okay with going, you know, we've all done something stupid, so let's actually work together is much, much better. I think it's a much friendlier profession for people to enter than it ever has been precisely because we can say this stuff and know that we're, we're not going to lose our careers over it. Yeah, but I think we we definitely want to talk about the uh, your other two articles, uh, Roberta, the my boothmate ones, so the love story and the heartbreak. So uh, in this case, was is this based on a true story as well? I, I suppose it is. So so both the, um, the love story and the heartbreak are fictitious stories. That's the thing. I want really? I want really completely fictitious. So you haven't divorced your husband yet. That's good. <laughs> I have not, no. And my husband might will probably become an interpreter one day too because I'm kind of teaching oh. him how to do it. Because I've been traveling around all the time. I just want to be with him. So, you know, he might as well become an interpreter and we'll travel around the world together working. Um, well, so, Alex can give you tips on how that works. <laughs> really? Oh, I, want, I really want to listen to that, Alex. Okay. <laughs> so so the, story, the story is... Um, I wanted to talk about good booth manners and bad manners. Uh, but uh, as I said, a lot has been written on, about that and in the, the same way. So I wanted to approach it differently. So I just thought about the best things that ever happened to me when working with somebody and just put it into, assembled it into one story. And then the worst things that's, that have ever happened to me into the other story, which is the heartbreak. But they're both fictitious. It's it's strange because I mean when you read the stories they really sound so true and and maybe not a hundred percent but at least I mean, at least a lot of things in in that are things I think that we've seen in in boothmates or in or in colleagues so it's uh... exactly yeah but, but because they were inspired by true events but you know the, it was a, like a collage of stuff that I've been mm. through. But I think at least the, the love story one, I think we could use as kind of an example, right? I mean, something to aspire to, I guess. What do you think? Well, the love story. Uh, yeah, I think it's possible to find someone that good in the booth. You know, I've been, I've been trying to be the Audrey Hepburn myself. So, yeah, I think it's, yeah, well, well it's possible. I, I would say, actually, the, I, 
my regular broodmate I completely love working with, but I once did an assignment, in fact, quite recently, where the Italian booth were so good and gave us such amazing relay that recently there was an opportunity to nominate interpreters for um, best performance on an assignment. And without even thinking, I instantly nominated them because they gave us, uh, they were doing a really technical and emotional uh, speech that was really close to one of them because what they were talking about happened just outside of her hometown. So it lands on her shift. It's an incredibly emotional thing for her. And she has three booths taking relay from her. And she delivered some of the most perfect interpreting I have ever seen. Um, and they had two, they had um, 45 minutes of relay between them. And I thought, you know what? If anyone deserves a prize, that Italian booth for the sheer immensity of their delivery, I thought, you know, as much as I'd love to nominate my booth mate, those guys just did such an incredible job that they deserve all the praise they can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good thing they weren't mumblers, huh? Do you, did you read about the mumblers? <laughs> of course, of course. I've had some bad relays, man, like people, and, and you can't understand anything, and then you realize, okay, I can't understand anything because the booth, the other booth, whichever language they're speaking, because they don't understand anything they're saying, so they're just mumbling to pretend they're saying something. Oh, God, <laughs> let's not even go there. It's a total disaster when that happens, because then you're interpreting from their relay, and, and if they don't, I mean, if they don't, if their delivery is not good, Yours won't be either, of but course. you can't you yeah. can't tell the client. Okay, I'm I'm tra- I'm interpreting from the relay, and the relay is bad. So please bear with me. Right, yeah, you right. can't say anything like that. So you look really bad. This is something that is also. I might write an article about that about the importance of when you have more than one language of having all the boots have to have good interpreters. I have to f- faced you know the worst times with relay, but I've also had some really good relays also true but when it's bad it's a total disaster because then it's like a domino effect everybody falls down together oh i hate that (laughs) so here's here's a question for you guys on the on the private market how much stability do you have i mean how often do you work with the same people or is it different people all the time that's something i'm wondering about because i mean stability can be good but then uh sometimes maybe it's good uh that you don't work with the same people all the time if you know what i mean Yeah, I think there's a certain amount of stability because definitely I work with a lot of the same people in my booth um, quite frequently. You know, there's obviously certain, well, not officially a team, but, you know, there are certain dynamics that just work well. And so you tend to work with the same people over and over. But I actually had this conversation with a friend of mine because I think if... If you find some people that you really work well with, that you really play well together with, there's a certain risk of being stuck in that group just because it's always nice. It's always pleasant. It's always a joy to work with them. And I've found myself trying to want to get out of that. Well, I guess it's the comfort zone, quite literally, um, yeah. <laughs> because you want to expand your your colleague network. You want to see how other people interpret. You want to see if, you know, maybe this person is doing that and that is something that you really like and you're you know i'm thinking oh it's such a great interpreter i could definitely learn from that person and i wouldn't have known if i hadn't worked with them so i think you definitely need to expand your your stability circumference whatever you want to call it i have in my entire career i've only shared the booth with i think four other interpreters um i have one uh, my favorite booth mate who we try to work together as regularly as we can um 
And I think it's because a lot of the jobs up here are kind of one or two days, um, it makes it very important that at least if I have never worked with them before, that I know someone who has. Uh, when it comes to filling out the other booths, there's a lot more variation, but, you know, Scotland isn't a huge market. So I can tell pretty quickly, you know, if someone says, oh, there's a job in Edinburgh and there's going to be a French and German booth, I can usually guess about 50-60% of the time who's going to be in the German booth and who's going to be in the French booth. It, it's funny, though, for, for me, stability is more about um, the right person for the right kind of job. Uh, but I now do have... I have preferred London colleagues and I have preferred Scottish colleagues. Um, but just in that, when you asked that question, Alex, I wondered, are there stories of like getting bored of your booth mates that are, were kind of in your mind when you said that? Because I haven't yet got to the point of being bored of my booth mates. But the way you asked that question made me think, is he about to say, I really wish I could change my team, but scheduling won't let me? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying at all. <laughs> no, actually, it's just I think I think it's it's natural that you have like some colleagues more than others. I mean, it's just uh, human chemistry, I guess. But uh, I found it interesting what what Alex said is that sometimes it's maybe a good idea to you know leave your comfort zone and maybe try with people, try to work with people you haven't worked with before. And anyway, in my case, I, I don't have a choice. I have to work with um, with the people that. Planning department assigns to the job, and you know we're all professionals, so there's it's it's not really a problem per se. But but of course, I mean, just due to human chemistry, there are some preferences, I guess, which is completely normal. But but I liked you, your point, Alex. Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is too, and and this goes back to uh, the love story with the boothmate. You know, I have a boothmate who I get along with really well. We work together whenever we get the chance, and we actually have a handful of clients where we're simply like you know that's our client we're the team so we work together a lot and it's going so well with her that whenever I work with somebody else I always compare them to how our usual teamwork is and it's usually really good you know I know when she's struggling she knows when I'm struggling like without it actually causing any issues and then we will help each other or you know we know when like I would know when she doesn't need my help at all and then I do what I do and she does the same she actually plays Farmville on her computer in the booth when it's my turn. So, you know, I think it's, it's just a very comfortable and a very trusting relationship. And obviously, I can't have that with everybody else, but I always, in my, like, in a, a tiny part, somewhere in the back of my mind, always compares everybody to that relationship because that is just the ideal working environment in the booth. Wow. I have someone like that too, and this interpreter um, who is like the perfect match for me. She, it's a funny thing when we work together because when we swap turns, people don't even realize we've it's changed interpreters. Even our voices, the volume of our voices are similar. It's amazing, That's perfect. and and we also have this. It's perfect when that happens, and and we also have this eye contact thing. But then we pretty much talk with our own with our eyes. So she looks at me, and I know exactly what she what she needs. So it totally relates to what you just said. But I think the whole choosing the team thing, it really depends too on the market. For instance, in Brazil, um, agencies, they don't pay very well. So the better, the best interpreters don't work for agencies. We work for direct clients or we work for other interpreters who invite us to share the booth, right? Now, in the U.S., for instance, 
most of the market is driven by agencies. So you never know who you're going to work with. They hardly ever ask, who would you like to share the booth with? So you'd better get along with people because you never know who you're going to get. Now, if I do have the chance of choosing, I, I tend to stick with my team because, because I, I trust them, because I know they're going to do a good job and trust is so important in our profession. So I, I tend to stick with my team, but I am open when somebody tells me like, I can't make it, but can I, can I recommend you um, a beginner who's doing really well and yeah, sure. Why not? You know what the funny thing is too? I think those people that you really get along with very well, if they give you a recommendation, like if my boothmate, that particular boothmate, if she recommends someone to me, I don't even bat an eye. Like I just know if she recommends that person, it's going to be a great interpreter. They're going to be not a diva. It's going to just work. And mm -hmm. so with those people, I think you kind of surround yourself with yeah. a certain type of people. So I think I completely agree with what you're saying. You know, you can recommend uh, a new young interpreter if it's coming from her. Like I will immediately just say, yep, yeah, that's fine. Perfect. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. You trust them to the point in which you trust the referrals. I think this is the, the other thing as well is that so, um, the other side of this is that we can recognize interpreters who we wouldn't recommend. I couldn't agree more. Thankfully, <laughs> I have only ever met one. Um, and it yeah. means that you know when, when that interpreter is going to be on the job, you just know you have to work harder and you, you just have to shield them a bit because you don't want anyone to look bad. But when you're choosing the team, you will obviously choose someone else. Um, and I think it, it's okay to have people that you think, yeah, they don't work well on the kind of assignments I like to do, so I'll pick someone else. It doesn't mean they're a bad interpreter who should never work again. It's just they don't really match the rest of the team that you would mm -hmm. build. Yeah, I think this our profession is inherently stressful, right? It's on the spot. It's fast-paced. Uh, we're always dealing with different topics that we have to study for a lot. So why would you add insults to injury? Why would you invite somebody to work with you and your team if this person is either not a team player or doesn't work well for whichever reason? Uh, it's very important to have a good team. Something that I face once in a while, especially in Brazil, because here I do have my di direct clients, is when I have um, an event with many languages, for instance. And some languages, um, we don't have that many interpreters. Let's suppose Russian. I would say there are like three Russian interpreters in Brazil that go from Russian to Portuguese. German, it's the same thing. We have like two or three that are good that go from German into Portuguese. So whenever that happens, whenever, uh, as we would call it here, an exotic language um, is needed, uh, sorry, but that's what we say. For us, German is an exotic language, right? Sure. If you sure. need any Germans, let us know. <laughs> yeah, come to Brazil. <laughs> How's your Brazilian, Alex? Uh, work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that when when I do have to hire the so-called exotic language interpreters, that's when things get a bit uh, touchy because I don't really choose them i am stuck with them <laughs> and not always are they people that i that i would work with otherwise yeah you know 
then you're you're pretty much stuck with them. It's either them or there's nobody else. But I think that's and that's when it comes back to just being professionals, you know, because you don't. I always think I've been very lucky so far in the English booth um, in my market. There's only a handful of colleagues who I don't get along with personally, but you know, professionally, we can still have a great conference. We can still help each other out. They're good interpreters. There's just the chemistry is just not right, you know, on that level. But I think even with difficult people, like you can still have them on the team and they can still do great work, but it's just, you don't have to be best buddies with everybody, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's not about being best buddies, but sometimes, for instance, the, maybe they're good in the booth, their, their delivery is good, but they're just people that might give you such a hard time with all the rest. I always say that being an interpreter is a package. It's not just about being fluent in two languages. It is not about having a, only a good delivery in the booth. It's about knowing how to behave in the coffee break. It's about not speaking loud on the phone in the middle of the lobby. It's about knowing how to dress accordingly. There's so much more involved in being a good interpreter than just the delivery in the booth. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that's, that's what I meant with being stuck with some interpreters sometimes is that maybe, yeah, their delivery is great, but they make mistakes and all the other stuff, you know, that drives me crazy sometimes. And when you're a <laughs> chief interpreter, uh, it's really hard because are you going to explain that to the client? Listen, I'm, you're whatever. Mandarin interpreters uh, are not the people I uh, usually work with, but we're stuck with them, Okay. <laughs> you're not going to do that disclaimer for the client right so yeah yeah um no but roberta you, you gave me the perfect keyword actually because i wanted to transition to the to the last article that i wanted to cover and, and probably to to wrap things up slowly but you just mentioned the the interpreter is, is a package and you have another article which is called um exactly that um the golden the golden package yes and um that it it relates to a story f or to a commercial rather by fedex can you tell us quickly what what the story behind that is yeah, exactly. I was uh, interpreting for FedEx and they played a video of one of their commercials from the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. And the commercial was about how important, how they deal, how they handle each and every package. There is one package more priceless than all the rest. The golden package. And it's a cute story from Christmas, and there's this golden package, which is supposed to be like the most special package of all. But because the carriers, they don't know which one is the golden package, they treat all packages as if they were the golden package. And when I saw that commercial, I thought, that is pretty much like interpreting, because, I mean, if you work on a lot, you're... One day you're doing medical, then the other day you might be talking about wineries, and then on the other one about quantum physics. We never know, right? And we can never, never take an event for granted. For instance, you, I'm a medical interpreter too, so sometimes if a person invites me for an event on maybe, I don't know, something that I... A subject that I master, let's suppose, talk about cycling. 
And I could become complacent and think, ah, you know, I'm a medical interpreter. Cycling is something I master. I'm not even going to study for that. <laughs> yeah. That is the stupidest thing one can think because each event is unique, at least for the client, it's unique. For you, it's the third day in a row you've been working, but for that client, He's been organizing that for a year. He's paid for the hotels of the foreign speakers. For, for him, it's, it's his golden package. So, it's, so that, that specific article is about never taking anything for granted. Even if you think you master that subject, I always study, always, yeah. no matter what. In, increasingly, I'm realizing as well that my... Um, emphasis in my interpreting is now going as much on what are the clients trying to achieve as it is on what are they saying. Um, the more you realize that every event has a purpose behind it, I think the, the better you become as an interpreter because when you have to make quick decisions, you can make it taking into account what the event's for, you know, what they're trying to do. I remember the, the last time I, I did a job on fishing, uh, fisheries policy, um, there were times where you were making decisions on the basis of, I've done one of these before and now I understand how they work, rather than, oh, what's the French word for such and such? Um, I, I, I remember my, my regular booth mate, she came into one, she hadn't done the first one, but she came into the second one. And the first kind of block of these things, if you've never done one, the first block is always full of panic because it's so technical and there's as much socially um, socially and psychologically going on as there is actually linguistically. And if you miss what's going on socially and psychologically, you can't interpret the linguistic stuff properly because people don't always see what they mean and, and so on. And for the first three-year block, I've never seen a look so so worried and scared but for the second block she was like i totally understand this now and once she got you know this is how it works um the the study became useful and it became worthwhile and the rest of the event just went without a hitch because once you've understood this is what's actually going on then you understand what you understand what people are saying much better. My motto now is that when I started interpreting, I thought interpreting was a language thing that just happened to involve people. Now I really believe it's a people thing that just happens to involve language. <laughs> and the more I interpret like that, I find the better I interpret. I totally relate to that. I agree. I agree. It's like, for instance, recently I've uh, worked for a pharmaceutical company. And, um, and I was working with this booth mate who, she, and she told me in the, right there and then she said, listen, I don't want to scare you, but I've never done anything medical or pharmaceutical in my entire life. Oops. I said, I said that's okay. I'm here for you and we'll hold hands and it's going to be beautiful. That's what I told her and she smiled and she relaxed. So that's one thing too, you know, be, being relaxed sometimes is much more important than knowing that much. Being relaxed and having a good night's sleep. I always, I never, I never um, spend the night awake studying because I know it's going to be counterproductive. But anyway, co going back to the pharmaceutical event. So that's what she told me right at the beginning. And I told her, listen, it's a pharmaceutical company. So you can get a lot of stuff wrong, but there's one thing you can't get wrong. They're here to sell drugs, such and such. This name can never go wrong, you know? And so I, I understand what Jonathan says and I relate to it. 
when you understand what does the what is the why is the client spending so much money on this event what do they want to obtain from it when you understand that it makes your life a lot we a lot easier and beyond words because if you know what the client wants even the, your intonation is going to be more according to what they're saying and all that so yeah i, I agree it's really interesting that you were uh, telling us a, an episode from a pharmaceutical conference because of it kind of nicely wraps up um, the troublesome package, the troublesome episode for today, because we started with the delusional interpreter's vain arrogance syndrome, and we ended with the pharmaceutical conference. So that that's great. Um, so that's it for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Um, again, all our earlier episodes and uh, a lot of funny interpreting GIFs or GIFs, whatever you prefer, can be found over at troubleturps.com troubleturps.com if you like our show please consider leaving a review on itunes or recommending it to a friend or colleague roberta it's been so much fun having you on and if you agree maybe we can have you back for another episode someday it was great to have you on the show for sure my pleasure thank you okay everybody else say goodbye goodbye <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs>